We are Lone Star 187. Two sisters that love listening to true crime podcasts and decided to give this shit a try. Since we are Texas through and through, we will be researching murders across our Lone Star state. 187 is slang for the penal code for homicide. Since police codes are unique by city and county, we decided to simply use something that most people would get. We know this code isn't specific to Texas, but hey, we like it and it's our podcast, so we do what we want. Lone Star 187 most definitely contains elements that are not suitable for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Units heading out to that disturbance attack the shooter in a vehicle. Go ahead and reduce, but continue, reduce, but continue at one point. Case file 60, Cherry Diane Walker. And we're back again. Oh my God, I miss this so much. Thank you too. It's been busy and we had a conversation at some point where we were like, okay, we need to take a longer break. And sister was like, I thought you were going to tell me you were going to quit. I was like, no, I love it too much to quit. I just need some more time. Like, you know that, that feeling you get whenever like, you think when someone's like, I need to talk to you and you're like, oh God, this is it. They're going to break yeah. up with me. This is it. Like they're done. They're done with me. They don't want to be around me anymore. That's what I was afraid she was going to tell me. Like, sister, look, listen, like I have a lot going on. I'm a grandma now. I yeah. can't be playing your childhood games anymore. I'm a grandma, but I spent, <laughs> but that's not I what she spent said. my whole weekend with him. It was awesome. I'm a little tired, but that's okay. We had fun. But no, that the conversation was, I just need more time. So anyway, I got more time. We're back. We got our new equipment. Hopefully this last episode sounded really good to you guys. It sounded good to us. So so let's get right into it. Who are you? I'm Brittany. And I'm Carrie. And together we are Lone, Lone Star 187. 187. So this week, mm-hmm. we are in White House, Texas. White House. White House. That's the place I've never been. It's like a, either one. It's <laughs> fair enough. This, it is 123 miles west of us. It's really close to Tyler. But you know where I have been? What? I've kind of been to the White House. Like when we visited Joyce White's house. Oh. Oh, let me see what I did there. I saw what you did there. But this is a <laughs> compound word, White House. Okay. So, actually, I don't even Listen, know. I was I'm going to edit that out. That's stupid. I That's a was kind of a reaching. Joke. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> We're a little tired. It's okay. We're punchy. Thank you, Celsius, for the energy. Okay. Oh, maybe we by don't the way, mind we a sponsor. Get, that's exactly this what much I was money say. that I spend on Celsius. I would just like to say every week I buy yeah. a case of Celsius heat from Amazon. There you go. Thirty bucks. It's a hundred bucks a month. So sponsorship, we would gladly take. And I really prefer the uh, coconut berry Red Bull for the record. So yeah, I have a twelve pack in my fridge at home right now. So there you go. There's there's that Red Bull and Celsius. Anyway, okay, so. This is, again, oh wait, so let me cite my um, sources. So there are two different episodes on TV that you can watch that pertain to the story. One of them is called Snapped. I love Snapped. Season 16, episode two. Don't you love that narrator's voice? I do. She went, when she's talking, she's like, but she was just on to him. Something wasn't right. I'm like, ooh, tell me. Tell me, wasn't tell what, me what wasn't right. Tell me. Like, I probably already know, but just let's make sure we're on the same page here. Exactly. And then another one, Evil Lives Here, 
season four, episode six. And I got to be careful with this one so I don't screw the name, the wording up. Master Manipulator. Oh, you're going somewhere else with that. Yeah, I know. That's why I had to say it slow. Otherwise, <laughs> it would be a whole different show. It's June. It's a fucking summer of 2010. Let's, let's just do this. So there's a guy by the name of Bobby Lewis. It's June 19th of 20, 2010. Okay. okay. He is driving down a road called Oscar Burkett Road, or it's also known as County Road 2191 in White House. And he's driving down the road and he sees something that looked like a mannequin, a body or trash. He didn't know. So he makes a U-turn and goes so, can back. I just ask you a question? Sure. What would you do if you looked on the side of the road and you're like, that's a body? I would immediately call 911 and then I would pull over and I would wait for them to come in. Like, can you imagine? Like, that wouldn't happen to us. Like, we're not that no. lucky. I'm not that I... Don't not, say that's lucky. Because you can't ever lucky. unsee that. Like, right no, now my like, brain is flipping through all the fucked up images I've seen of yeah. dead people like, because of this podcast. So I don't want to see that in real life. I don't. I don't. If it happens to me, I absolutely will pull over, call 911, and I'll probably get out and inspect. But never at one moment are you like, oh, it's just a mannequin. Never. I, we've done this for too long. Like, I know. And you know what? It probably would be a mannequin if it were me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, sister, this is it. Never mind. It's it's a, ri- it's a blow mannequin. up doll. So I'll just <laughs> leave. Ew, David. I'll just leave. Ew, David. <laughs> So he um, got out of his vehicle and there is a burned body of a female on the side of the road. Okay. Okay. Um, They identify the body as that of Cherry Diane Walker. She was born in October of 1970. She was a really nice, genuine person. She was mentally challenged. She lived in an apartment by herself, but her, she had, um, a social worker that checked on her every day. So the way she made money is she would, in the apartment complex she lived in, she would clean the other people's apartments around her because she was very OCD and everything had to be perfectly neat in its place. It's like the best house. She could not stand chaotic mess. She loved to sing. She went to, she went to church all the time and she did some light babysitting, which is how she met a woman by the name of Kimberly Cargill. Kimberly hired Cherry to babysit her youngest son, Luke, um, during the day while she, while she worked. Um, and Cherry, and she loved Luke. She adored him. They were best buds, so she did not mind the babysitting at all. She, she enjoyed it. Uh, she was 39 at the time of her death, but mentally she was really only about 9 or 10. Mm. And with Luke being around the same age, I guess that's probably why. I Actually, I think he was only 4. Maybe that's why they bonded so well, because she wasn't one of those babysitters that couldn't relate. Like she wanted to have fun and she cared about him and she was fun. There's that. Any questions so far? Okay. No questions. So Kimberly Cargill was born in Mississippi. She moved to Dallas in 1978. She was a nurse. She had two sons and she'd been married a couple of times. But after she moved here, she met a guy by the name of Brian. He never imagined that um, her controlling behavior would lead to anything like what he was about to find out. So they met through Brian and Kimberly met through a mutual friend who set him up on a blind date and they went to a movie. <laughs> Do you want to make a guess at what movie they might've seen? What year was it? 1993. Hmm. Comedy or drama? Comedy. 
Hmm. Can I have an actor or actress, please? I may not give you the main one because I might give it away, yeah, but no, let's no. see. Phil Hartman, Charles Grodin, Brenda Fricker, Nancy Travis. I got nothing. Michael Myers? Mm. No? So I married an axe murderer? Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, they really hit it off. He said she was very charming and beautiful, very kind and understanding. She valued being a mother. Brian had two small children of his own, and so he valued that she was a good mom. They were both recently divorced, so at that time they had a lot in common. Um, But pretty shortly after they um, were dating, he saw some signs that there was a little bit of an imbalance with her. Um, So she invited him to one of her divorce support groups. So he got there earlier. He got kind of weird. I know (laughs) she got there. er He got there earlier than she did and she was running late. So he just went in and sat down and she came in and saw him there and made it a point to sit at the complete opposite side of the room from him. So you invite him and then you like, well, he got there before you. So I, I, anyway, um, after the meeting, she was really mad and he wasn't sure why. Um, but her change of mood was so huge for something so insignificant that he was like, Oh, this, this may not be good for me. And then suddenly she was super loving to him and understanding like she sounds after, bipolar. Yeah. She, um, she was so overly understanding that it immediately took his attention away from the fact that she was so upset. And then he was like, Oh my God, I, I thought, I thought I may not like her, but she's really cool after all. Like, he didn't even see it, right? Like, it's totally okay. She just she, treated me like shit. He was, well, no, I think it was more like, I'm divorced. I have two children. She really likes me. So I need to just get past it. I think that's what it was for him. Okay. Like, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to find this opportunity right. again. Like, I, right. <laughs> you know. At this point, I'll just get what I get. <laughs> and I don't get upset. So she's a little crank. It's all right. She might be crazy, but like, she I'll likes just... me and she's going to take me in and my kids. <laughs> okay. So... Shortly after that, they moved in with each other. And then with that came the realization that she always had her own agenda. It was Did her she way. make her room on the other side of the house? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't see that. Um, it was her way of the highway. He Eventually, he had to have gallbladder surgery. So he's laying on the couch trying to recover. And she gets mad because he put some of his daughter's diapers in a diaper pail that she evidently had other plans for. So there was a huge fight over that. I guess she was going to repurpose it. I don't know what for. Uh, then he starts to notice that his pain medications for his surgery are coming up missing. And he was like, I thought there would be more. Like, I haven't been taking that. But the bottles would be empty. Dang, she would take them all? Not like, oh, I'll just take one I mean, not thrown away, but like, no, but just like empty. empty. Yeah. Um, and he said, I didn't see her as a type of person that would make me suffer. So he just assumed that she was taking them. Um, and let him suffer. So he decides. Because obviously he's in pain and needs right. them. Oh, my God. So then he decides he's going to break up with her. He's like, okay, this is too crazy. I I can't do it. But she wasn't going to let it happen. He tried several times to break up with her, but he always allowed himself to get talked back into staying in the relationship with her. There she is manipulating him. So he finally decides, okay, this is it. I'm breaking up. He tells her, look, this is the, I'm really breaking up with you. It doesn't matter what you say. We're not going to break up. And she's like, she goes, you know, in the beginning when I told you I wasn't able to have any more kids, because my first kid was um, a very high risk pregnancy. Well, that's not true, and I'm pregnant with your kid. It's our oh. little, uh, our little miracle baby. Okay. Mm-hmm. Talk about a bomb. Mm-hmm. 
He says, well, we can still be a team and raise a child, but we don't have to be a couple. Uh, incorrect, sir. Not in her world. Right. And she says, if you want to be in this child's life, you have to marry me. So he did. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. He has no backbone, no voice, I guess. So they had a son together. They named him Jamie. And so as Jamie gets older, uh, Kimberly's temper only gets more violent. One night, Brian came home really late from work, and all he wanted to do was go to sleep. He says one of her favorite things to do was to start talking to him as soon as he was trying to go to sleep. And it wasn't small talk. It was unpleasant things like, did you fix this or... Uh, any Anything that she could bring up that she knew was going to cause an argument were the kinds of things that she would talk about. Like, she didn't want him to... Do you think she, like, stewed that all day? Like, when I'm he sure. comes home tonight, I'm going to bring up this and yep. this and this. I'm going to wait for him. I'm not going to bring it up as soon as he walks in the door while he's eating dinner. I'm going to wait for him to lay down and almost go to sleep, and then I'm going to start bringing up all these things. Eventually, he had enough. He got up and got out of bed. He said that she was full of rage and looked like a wild woman and was screaming as loud as she could. The next thing he knew, she picked up a hammer. He said he didn't even know where she got it. And she just flung it right at him. And he dodged, but it stuck right into the wall. Oh, my God. Can you imagine how scary that would be? I mean, and, like, it wasn't the claw part. It was, like, the round part. Like, the claw <sighs> part, I could see, would stick easier. But, like, I have the picture. I'll upload it with the... It's, like, the hammer is in the damn wall. And he even said... He was, like, I took a picture of it as proof of what was happening. I said, I paused the show to get a picture as I couldn't find one on the Internet. But the hammer was stuck about eye level. And he said they both left the hammer in the wall for at least a couple of days. Can you imagine? So do you think, I, I can see her leaving it there to make a point. But I wonder why he left it there. To, did, to, did to show her, like, if somebody asks, I'm not going to lie about how that mm -hmm. got there. Right? Yeah. Because I'm sure she wanted him to take it down so she wouldn't be embarrassed. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he's like, I'm not taking it down. I hope somebody comes in here and sees it because I'm going to tell me how she threw a hammer at me. After being married a year, Brian finally decides to get a divorce. He feels like now that he's divorced and has Jamie, their son, things will calm down. He said they were watching TV one night and Jamie got up and stood in front of the TV because he didn't want to watch whatever it was his dad was watching. His dad told him to move. I'm not cha changing the channel when Jamie refused to move. So Brian stood up and said, okay, I'll, I'll move you myself. So they locked arms and Brian was trying to move Jamie, but Jamie slipped and hit his head on the corner of the TV stand. And he called his mom to come get him. That's bad. That's real bad. Yeah. Because I wouldn't want my kid back over there. No, this is Brian. He, it, he didn't do it on purpose. It was an accident. So that he's with Brian and Jamie. Brian left Kim and Brian and his son, Jamie are at Brian's house. So it's the dad. It wasn't like he's abusing him. He was just trying to move him from the I TV. Know. Oh, I know. But I'm saying, I'm sure that, I'm sure that the mom's probably hearing the dysfunction oh, yeah. in the relationship oh, yeah. and then hears this story and is like, I wonder how true that is. Right. You know, because exactly. it would be hard for me to believe that if, even if my kid's telling me, I'd be like, mm, after what I heard, what's going on in the house, I don't know if I want my kid back over there. Exactly. And if so how corrupt this situation is with this psycho hammer throwing girlfriend. Yeah. Because the very next actually. day she had the son filling out an affidavit, dealing, detailing everything that happened. Of course, putting words into his mouth, making it out to be something that it wasn't. So she had Jamie write that Brian picked Jamie up by his shirt and body slammed him onto the ground. Okay. And then he didn't call for help. And oh, then his dad okay. wouldn't call. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, so the that's judge, too far. That's the judge far. immediately took Jamie out of Brian's custody and gave him back to Kimberly. And now that Kimberly has Jamie all to herself, she begins taking out her rage on him. 
<clears throat> Jamie explains his relationship with his mom as very weird. One minute she's asking him to come sit by her and watch TV. Then he gets a stain on his shirt. The entire mood would change and she would start yelling, calling him horrible names. Uh, then he would say that he hated it there. He hated her. He wanted to live with his dad. And she said, fine, go ahead and pushed him outside and locked the door and left him out there for hours. And how old is he at this point? It uh, doesn't say. Probably junior high. Young, too young to be left out alone. Yeah. Maybe elementary. So Jamie would call Brian to come get him. But Brian couldn't because he was violating the court order. Oh, my God. So how... Can you imagine how hard you that is? You know what is? I would do? I would just go park my car in front and say, come sleep in the car. I'm not taking him anywhere. I guess the court order is you couldn't be around him. Anyway, I'd figure something out. I'd find I somebody know. to go get him. Yeah. Um, or I'd call the police. She's left my son outside. And you say, I'm not safe to have him. My son is calling me mm-hmm. saying that he's left outside unattended. Um, so then another example that Jamie gives about the rage with, with him and his mom is it's picture day at school. So she makes him put on a collared shirt, makes him wear these nice shorts, make sure his shoes are clean. She would part his hair down the middle and use half a bottle of hairspray. And he's like, you know, that was kind of a dorky haircut. <laughs> so when he got to school, he'd mess it all up. Like, we've all done that. I did that. You are, you talk about doing that. My, my oh. mom would make my hair so damn tight and pigtails that I would get a headache. And as soon as I got out of the car where she couldn't see me, that shit came down every day. The pictures come back. And he brings them home and she's so excited to see them. But what she, when she sees that his hair was messed up, she loses her shit. Oh no. How could you do that? You're a stupid moron. To her own son. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it got so bad. She pinned him up against the wall and was punching him in his ribs. He says he is, he was, he was never punched in the eyes or the face. Always in the ribs, stomachs or arm. Cause nobody can see the bruises. Um, this way, no one see what's going on behind oh, the scenes. Sick, sick bitch. So, and this, I think this was the evil lives here episode that I got most of this from. But so he says one of his biggest regrets is not telling anybody. So for many years, he just kept it secret. Um, well, can you imagine as a child, like, you know, you sit, you go to school and like this person's like, oh, my mom took me to do this and my mom took me mm-hmm. to do that. And you're like, who do I tell? Right? Like, my dad already knows that she's crazy, but I can't see him. Nope. He's the only one that understands me. And then I can't tell my friends. I can't tell my teachers because they're going to... I'm embarrassed, you know? And he does have step siblings because Kimberly had two more sons, Zach and Luke, from two different relationships that also didn't last. Well, and, and didn't... Luke was his, the one... Was, and his dad had two daughters, right, from mm-hmm. previous marriage. So he does have other siblings. Yeah, but, like, I, I guess they're all living somewhere else. Oh, my God. He said, Jamie started to realize that his mom was using him as a slave. She, he did his own laundry. He did his mom's laundry. He did his brother's laundry. He cleaned the kitchen. He cooked dinner. She unscrewed the doorknob and put the lock on the door of his bedroom on the outside so she could lock him in his room as punishment. Um, one time he was in there so long that he had to pee out the window because she wouldn't let him out to go to the bathroom. Oh my God. What is wrong with and people? And he didn't say anything because he thought that that's how you got grounded. You know, since he didn't talk to other kids about the behavior, the things that were going on in his house, he didn't say anything because he thought, well, everybody, this is how yeah. everybody gets. Because like, if you I don't know. I had to go to my room. Yeah. And if that's what you say, then he's like, oh, okay, well, I guess it's not so weird. Right. Poor kid. Well, and if you don't, like you said, if you don't talk and that's the norm for you, then you have You're, nothing else to compare exactly. it to. Um, so Jamie had an Xbox and he loved playing video games on it. Um, it was a way for him to pass the time to keep his mind off of everything that was going on. 
So one day he's upstairs playing the video game and his younger brother, Zach, is in there with him. His mom comes in and starts giving him shit about always being on the Xbox, doing nothing else, blah, blah, blah. She reaches down and unplugs the console and he loses it and picks up the Xbox and throws it out the window. Oh, this sets her off big time. So she grabs the cord and starts choking him. With it. And you know how thick those Xbox cords oh, are. Oh, yeah. Um, he was so scared and said he could tell it was blind rage on her part. And so Zach, his little brother, is begging her to stop. And he can tell that Jamie's about to lose consciousness. So finally she stops and leaves the room. So Jamie calls the cops. He gets on his phone and calls the cops. Sadly, though, it doesn't go the way he wanted because... His mom was able to spin it in her favor and say that Jamie is an out-of-control teenager with lots of anger issues. She says Jamie was on top of her and she was defending herself and even browbeats the little brother, Zach, into lying for her in front of the cops. Um, She made sure that she was crying in front of the cops to make it look like she'd really been attacked by him. So Jamie ended up getting a citation for assault. But eventually all that was dismissed. I know this is, it's, it's, I think the part that bothers me the most is how could the cops believe it if he's the one that called the police? I mean, you know, like as a she mother, she was just good at, she I was mean, good. As, as a mother, like if my child is to the point that he's starting to hurt me, I'm going to get on the phone and I'm going to call the police. If who, in my opinion, whoever calls the police is usually the one who's asking for help. Not usually, always. Usually. Yeah. Right. Because I could see her manipulatively calling first. And if she had called first, I could buy it. But if he's calling first, help my mom strangle and me. And I wondered if maybe and there must not have been any ligature marks around his. I guess there were. There had to be. But she said she was defending herself. So right. I guess. She and where's was, her defense? They felt that they were, she was justified. Maybe because he's bigger than her. I don't know. Because oh he is Those an older. dumbass cops. I agree with that. I actually said that when I was watching. I was like, you some dumbasses. <laughs> But after the cops left, she told Jamie that if he told anyone, his dad, the cops, his teachers, or anybody, she'd kill him. Okay, then. One day, he Jamie was at school. He got in trouble. They called him into the principal's office, and all he could think of was like, oh, my mom's going to, shit's going to hit the fan when I get home. So after school, he didn't want to go home. He ran away. He found a grocery store, went into the back, and hid back there as long as he could until about 8 or 9 o'clock. And he just wanted to stay there. He thought, maybe if I stay here, somebody will help me. Well, the manager, the store manager finally found him and um, he told him, he tried to tell the man he was scared to go home. He said, my, he said, I'm afraid of what my mom's going to do when I get there. So the store manager suggested that they call the cops, insisting the cops would help Jamie out. They called the cops who got there 20 minutes later and all they did was take Jamie home. They didn't listen to him. They didn't do anything. They just took him right back into the, just threw him right back in the arms of this woman who... So he ran away from... Thank God for our justice system. No shit. He ran away many times, but every single time the cops would just take him home. But but this time they told him, if you keep running away, we're going to put you in juvie, which might not have been a bad thing for him. I I would have been like, you got it. No problem. Can you please? Can I go to juvie? Every day I'm running away. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Um, Hello, cops. I've run away again. So when he got home, since it was so late... She pushed him and got to the point of uncontrollable rage. She was banging his head against the hardwood floor. He turned over and she, she started choking him with her hands and he started to black out. He was trying to fight, but eventually she let go. He had enough and he ran out of the house and called his dad. His dad picked him up, found out what happened, took pictures to show proof. And this was the final straw and gave Brian the evidence he needed to finally get full custody of Jamie. Please tell me this worked. 
So please this, tell me that worked. Okay. Uh, Finally. Too, so not too long after that, Kimberly also lost custody of Zach. Good. Okay. Good. Good. So finally, the justice system is working. So after now, so now she's going to face a custody battle. Now she's going to have to fight for Zach and Luke. She finally snaps. But um, yeah. So so this was from the snapped episode. (laughs) Yeah, might have been snapped. Yeah. Um. So one of the quotes from her son that made me want to cry. The older son, Mm -hmm. Jamie. Okay. He said, "I love the idea of having a mother." But I don't love her as my mother. And when oh. I see her, I can't help but feel hatred and rage. Oh, no. It just hurts my gut. Especially because we're such loving people, but also we we love our children and we love that our children love us. And that those three little words that your children tells you is like the best when they just, I, I love you, mom. Mm-hmm. You know, or yeah. like the hugs and kisses they give you. I can't imagine them not wanting to love me. And when I accidentally hurt them, like I remember when Savannah was little and I was putting her in her car seat and like I was, you know how you, there, there's the chest part that mm-hmm. snaps and like I was getting ready to do it and she turned and looked down. So I, I like pinched her little cheek in there and she barely cried, but I think I cried harder than she did. I was like, Oh my God, I inflicted pain on my kid. I felt so bad. So I can't imagine like, anyway, this this gets to this point. Okay, so now at this point, it's June 18th. Well, Cherry Walker disappears, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Brian gets a call from Kimberly's mom, and she said, Hey, um, somebody found Cherry Walker's burned body in Smith County, and right now Kimberly is the number one suspect. He was like, Okay, what, what are you talking about? And she's like, the C- So there was the CPS hearing. And Cherry was subpoenaed because she had been babysitting Luke. Uh oh. Yep. And so she saw firsthand what was going on. And once I'm sure that, Kimberly thought because she was slow, she didn't understand. So once once that happened, Kimberly became very, very desperate. So in order to prevent her from testifying, Kimberly took matters in her own hand. What Kimberly says happened is that bullshit. Mm-hmm, <laughs> that she had she wanted to take Cherry out to dinner. So she kept calling her and calling her and calling her and Cherry wouldn't answer. Well, while Kimberly's calling, the social worker is there with Cherry and she's like, who keeps calling? And she's like, oh, it's Kimberly Cargill. She wants me to go have dinner. And the social worker says, that's probably not a very good thing for you to do. Like you're supposed to testify, right? And she's like, yeah, about that. I'm I'm afraid. And she was like, yeah, you know what? Don't answer her call and don't go anywhere with her. Mm -hmm. Just don't answer her call. Because how long did she babysit for her? Like several years. Like they were, I mean, she took advantage of her too, of Mm -hmm. course. Right. But, um, you know, the social worker was like, so the social worker was there and knew that Kimberly kept calling and kept calling. So it was clear she was desperate. But Kimberly says that uh, she went to pick up Cherry to have dinner to talk about her testimony, about what she was going to say. And so it's. It's, um, um, that's not really her job. That's the lawyer's job, not hers, especially if she's going to be testifying uh, against her. Exactly. But I mean, remember she's mentally challenged. So, and also she has like some kind of medical problem where she has seizures now and then. So Cherry says that they're, they're talking in the car and while they're driving and they're discussing the testimony, Cherry has a seizure and stops breathing. And then Kimberly says that she's driving around panicking, trying to figure out what she needs to do. 
So she takes her out into the country, leaves her and like drives away. And she doesn't know how she gets home. That's what she says. So in order to help her, she deserts her. Mm -hmm. She doesn't call 911. She doesn't pull over and try and do CPR. Nope. Mm. Nope. What a gem. Yep. Yeah. Class A gemstone. Yep. While she's, while Kimberly's in jail, she's communicating with her friends to change her computer passwords and move evidence apparently to throw off investigators and all the investigations because she's being investigated by CPS on abuse of all of her children. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have custody of any of them. And now she's on, she's being investigated about this murder. They weren't really sure. They were pretty sure she did it, but they had to find evidence. So they found the evidence they needed. Get this. <laughs> they found a container on the ground between the knees of Cherry Walker's body. And Kim Cargill's DNA was on the container and it was a little thing of creamer. Like coffee creamer? Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So while she was in jail, she... Well, how does that determine that she killed her all? She, she said she was with her and that she deserted her. So how... No, wait, no, wait. She said, I'm sorry. She said she took her back home and left her. Okay, took her back home and left she her. Took, not, she didn't drop her off on the side of the road. Sorry. She took her back to her apartment and left, left her and assumed she was okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So she wasn't admitting that she mm. took her on the county road. So because they found that, they were able to say, oh, you didn't take her home. You took her over here. Yeah. And just left her like, yeah. like you would a pile exactly. of garbage. So also she's, while she's in jail, besides trying to get people to change her computer passwords. Um, what is she trying? What is she? What's on her computer? I guess what there's she stuff scared? on there probably about. I don't know. Maybe maybe stuff about her kids. I don't know. But there's stuff on there that she doesn't want them to find, clearly. She's also trying to get in touch with an old high school acquaintance, somebody she hadn't talked to in 20 years, um, I guess, to try to get them to go to her house and remove possible evidence, they said. She was, tra- she was also planning to mail a letter to a female friend with a list of all of her accounts and usernames and passwords. One of the passwords is to Cargill's phone, who was, uh, the phone was at the sheriff's office. So maybe she was going to try to lock it so they couldn't get to it. She's so stupid. So she was in jail on $1.5 million bond. Damn. So not only was she, um, being charged with capital murder of Cherry Walker, also injury to a child. Testimony showed that she's a liar, she's manipulative, she's selfish and controlling. He says the video from the White House PD shows that when no one's looking, she's a monster. The Emmy who did the autopsy said he didn't think that Walker was breathing at the time of her body being burned because there was no soot in her airways. Um, He says Walker did have seizure medication in her system when the autopsy was conducted. She determined Walker died as a result of homicidal violence at the hands of another. Uh, the means of death, though, was undetermined. But hes they were confident that Walker did not die from a seizure. And that's really what they needed to prove. Because that's what Kimberly so was trying to like, say. So there weren't, like, there's no stab wounds. There's no mm-hmm. gunshot wounds. So, she like, I guess burned. maybe strangulation. Or she just set her on fire. She set her on fire. Alive. Mm-hmm. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. What is wrong with people? Um, oh, wait. She says Walker had bruising on her arms and legs and places that wouldn't have had contact with the ground. She explains the lining that covered Walker's eyes showed small bleeds that would be components of asphyxiation. But because Cherry was found face down, these bleeds could have also been a result of her body decomposing. So asphyxiation could neither be ruled or could be ruled as a caused or ruled out. 
I hope and pray that she strangled her and she was not conscious when they set her on fire. The Emmy said she took extra time to look for needle holes on Walker's body because she knew the suspect was an LVN. Hmm. Smart. She says she found none, nor did the... Okay, she didn't find any, and the the toxicology report showed no evidence of abnormal medications in her system. So it says the state goes over everything with the Emmy she could have taken into account. Um, Other than the findings during the autopsy, the other things that were considered is that Walker was mentally challenged. She was away from home, found in a remote location, had no identifying information on her, was burned by someone else found, someone else, not the person that found her. So basically what happened is they also found the, um, they found lighter fluid in Kimberly's car. And she was like, oh, I just had that in my car. So you want us to believe that you picked up Cherry from her house, like, she's manipulative, but like now all of a sudden all her shit's falling apart. Like if you're that must much of a, so she can manipulate men and children, but she wasn't able to, to pull this off. Like I, you would, you would imagine that as good as she was with the cops, when her son called 911, that she would be able to just talk through it. But like her shit's falling apart quick. Well, and I mean, I'm not, please don't take this the wrong way, but as an LVN, you think she would have been smarter. It would have been a lot easier and less and a bit more and more humane. Like she could have given her a couple extra doses of her seizure medication and she would just went to sleep and they would have just thought that she took too many pills. I don't I'm know not, what she... I'm not saying that that's what no, should have happened. I'm just saying there was no reason to be so barbaric with her parting this world because she was mentally challenged. She could have given her candy and told her it was candy and given her more given her a sleeping pill and overdose of sleeping pills and she would have gone to sleep and she would have died peacefully and there would have been no issue and they probably would have never looked at her probably not as sad as that is uh, actually they might have though because she was gonna testify against her well i'm just saying if she's there there's no, a lot right. of different ways i mean because there, there'd be no way to prove that she did that she's mentally challenged she could have taken her medication incorrectly mm-hmm. it could have happened you know, there's no evidence of foul play no, true but there was no reason for her to be so damn barbaric. And I, I don't really know. I don't think I believe that she set out when she picked her up that night. I don't think she set out to kill her. I think maybe she was just trying to manipulate her. No, I think she was saying, set out to killing her. Oh, you think Th- so? I think that's why she was so persistent that she had to meet her right then. Yeah. Because I think if she was going to talk to her, she would have talked to her oh, that's true. anytime. But that's the fact true. that she did, wasn't going to take no for an answer was... She had a plan in place. She bought the lighter fluid. She put it in her car. She had everything she needed. She drove her to a county road. Did they even go eat? No. I'm sure they didn't. It doesn't say, but I'm sure she didn't. So she, I think she had it all planned out. She had to get rid of her. Such a piece of shit. Okay. The, um, the trial is over. Uh, the, there was a death sentence handed down. She was convicted of capital murder. Um, when it was handed down, the victim's stepmom was there mm-hmm. and said, Miss Cargill... I just want to remind you that my stepdaughter loved you. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a kick to the gut. She said, she also loved your son. She didn't deserve the horrible thing you did. You took her away from people that loved her. Um, so she's sentenced to death by lethal inject- lethal injection. So she's still on Jeth- Jethro. She's still on Jethro. On the Jethro. She's still on death row. Kimberly Cargo was 45 when she was um, convicted. Um, and then, so the, the dad says, um, when I saw, cause he had to go identify Sherry's body. And he said, when I saw my baby in the morgue, her eyebrows singed, 
this is what he tells Kimberly. You took away my memories of her. Uh, I couldn't give her a beautiful pink dress. All I had was a black body bag. Mm-hmm. We don't hate you. We only have love, pity, and compassion for you. Jesus loves you and he will forgive you. There are no winners, but there's justice. God gave her life and it matters. Every life matters. The prosecutor said that she and her staff put in about 1,200 hours on the case. Um, they said it was very emotional. The two years that it took from the time that they found her until Kimberly was charged, I mean, um, convicted. Um, they said they became very emotionally attached to Cherry Walker and her family. She sold childlike. In the closing arguments, they basically said that Kimberly had a mental disorder, but she did make the choice to kill the victim and set her body on fire. Kimberly Cargill is in the Mountain View unit in Gatesville, Texas. Mm-hmm. Mountain View houses the state's female death row inmates. Death row offenders are housed separately from the rest. Because I wonder, like, I figure prison, since she did that to a mentally challenged person, that it's no different from, and like, all the way, the way she abused her own children. I feel like she was probably, I wondered if she was segregated from Mm -hmm. everybody. And it says, um, death row offenders are housed separately from the rest of the prisoners in single person cells, uh, measuring 60 square feet with each having a window. And Cherry is buried at the Hopewell Valley Cemetery in Tyler, Texas. So if we go through there, it wouldn't hurt to like find maybe, it. Maybe find it and get a picture. Um, that is the story of Kimberly Cargo and Cherry Walker. It's sad. It's so and sad. And I tried to do some research on the sons, but I couldn't find a whole lot. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure Jamie's with his dad, Brian. We know that. Yeah. I don't know about Zach and Luke, if they're with their each with their dads mm-hmm. or where they're at. But I mean, can you imagine like after you grow up and you find out that your mom did that to somebody, especially Luke, knowing that Cherry babysat him? And and they probably looked at her like a sister, like an older person, because if she was that, if if mentally she was there, she was almost like a playmate to them more Mm -hmm. than an older person, you know, and to think like. She was going to do what was right and my and protect us and tell the truth. And my mom offed her. She took advantage of that. And she took advantage of her even before that, because I read that she would um, like drop Luke off in the morning when she went to work. And sometimes they're just leaving there overnight without even checking. She would just like not show up to pick him up until the next day after work and then pay her $20 for that. And then not even bring food. So like Cherry was, she didn't make a whole lot of money. She cleaned houses. She babysat. And so Kimberly didn't take food for Luke. So Cherry would feed Luke her food. So like, who does that? If she's a nurse, she, nurses make a shitload of money. It's that yeah. she's an LVN. Yeah, she made good money. So there's no reason to do that. So it wasn't because she couldn't afford it. She was just a bad, bad person. Yeah, just a bad person. Just a bad person. Well, she's where she belongs then. Yep. So rest in peace, Cherry Diane Walker. I wanted to say her full name. Um, and Kimberly Cargill, you're a useless piece of shit. And I hope you rot in jail. <laughs> I hope you get gonorrhea and die. Ugh. These people. So. And how Good does one. she, how does she get married three times? Like, how do you? <laughs> you know you what? You couldn't see it, but she gave me the eyebrow raise. You know exactly why. <laughs> well, and the, it, it sounded like she preyed on yeah. men that were easily swayed vulnerable and had no backbone and were yeah. like Sorry, Brian, but we're just calling it like it is. I mean, <laughs> like, at least he got out eventually. Yeah, he did. And I'm sure the other ones were the same. Yeah, way, I mean, cause... no one's going to stay long term, but they fell for her initially for whatever reason. 
But I'm glad they finally got out of it, though, because yep. that's not I'm good. I'm glad all the kids got out of it, and they're all fine. And I'm so sad I mean, that... I'm sure there's trauma. Yeah, but like I'm just sad. I'm sad that they didn't feel the love of their mother, because that's, that's a special bond and love that no one can replace but your mom, you know? Yeah. So that's just sad. It's one thing if your mom passes away for whatever reason, but for your mom to be alive and do that do these things to innocent people and and beat you up and treat you like shit it's i think that's way worse well and to go back to what jamie had said that he didn't love her like as far back as i can remember i've just always loved mom like it's just something that just comes naturally Mm -hmm. as a child so to not love them would be a choice like i'm choosing not to love you because you're psycho yeah. Can you imagine like mm-hmm. someone hurting you so bad that you're like, yeah, I don't want to love you and I'm not going to love you anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you fall out of love with someone or you choose mm-hmm. to not have them in your life. So you, that love fades, but the love you have for your mother is like instilled in you. Yep. So to just be like, yep, not anymore. Not going to happen. I don't want to love you anymore. That's just so sad. It's very foreign. Like I can't, I can't. I can't Thank God we it. can't. I know. I'm glad. And neither can our kids. No. So that's the story of fucking Kimberly Cargill and poor Cherry Diane Walker and her well, family. Rest in peace, Cherry Diane yes. Walker. Until next time. Until next time. Thanks right. again for the support. We love you guys. And it feels good to be back. And hello, new listeners. Yes. I know welcome we have all lots the newbies. of you. Yes. Yep. So tell your friends. Yep. And send us story suggestions. Keep them coming. All right. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.